just been a stunning turn of events already this morning. Joe Biden now has taken the lead in Pennsylvania. If you count the legal votes, I easily win. Instead, lobbed several falsehoods uh, about legal votes. The president has to start winning because he's behind. Hello, I'm Jason Dick, and this is The Transition, a special edition of Political Theater. It's Friday, November 6, 2020. For the most part, we are getting to the point where, parentheses, maybe, it is all over but the tweeting, give or take a lawsuit here and there. We're going to talk to Niels Lesniewski, our chief correspondent here at CQ Roll Call, on where things stand with the race between former Vice President Joe Biden and President Donald Trump. Biden is leading in the battleground states that will determine the outcome of the race. Votes are still being counted in several states across the country, including the key states of Pennsylvania, Nevada, Arizona, and Georgia. But former Vice President Joe Biden seems to be on track uh, to ultimately become the nation's 46th president. Transition planning is already underway. There's a federal law that requires planning for an orderly transition that was actually largely written by Ted Kaufman, who is a longtime Biden advisor, who was the appointed senator from Delaware, who uh, took over when Joe Biden became the vice president. So the planning is underway. There's increased security presence in Wilmington, Delaware, where the Biden campaign has set up uh, in a parking lot outside of the Chase Center for what could be a uh, victory speech as early as Friday evening. And there are discussions already underway about how to get an administration up and running, especially during a pandemic. There will be probably fewer in-person events during the transition period than we might expect in a normal time. There'll probably be plenty of events on Zoom, WebEx, and other technologies like that. Video conferencing will continue to be the norm. Some of the transition planning might have to wait until after we know what happens with the expected Senate runoff elections in Georgia, because who Joe Biden picks for his cabinet might depend in part on whether Mitch McConnell is still the majority leader of the Senate or whether the job goes to Chuck Schumer. And now to Stephanie Aiken, a member of our At The Races team, our crack political reporter on where things stand with the Senate, particularly in Georgia, where we are dealing with two runoffs in January. Because of a retirement, Georgia had two Senate races on the ballot on Tuesday, Both were extremely competitive throughout the cycle, and now, as the last ballots are counted, it's looking extremely likely that both will end in a January 5th runoff that will ultimately decide the control of the Senate. Democrats need a net gain of three seats to control the majority of the Senate. That's if Biden wins the White House and Kamala Harris can cast a tie-breaking vote. The races in Georgia weren't considered their best opportunities, and that's partly because of the state's rule that requires candidates to get more than 50% of the vote or else the two finishers go to another election, um, which is what's happening now. Um, but And Democrats went into election night confident about their chances in at least four competitive races, and they were feeling pretty good about a number of others. 
Um, things didn't exactly go the way that they planned, though. As it stands now, Democrats gained one seat, a net gain of one seat. Two other races in Alaska and North Carolina haven't been called, but Democrats there are trailing. In Georgia, the first Senate race, um, that was to fill the unexpired term of Senator Johnny Isaacson, was supposed to go to a runoff all along with 21 candidates on the ballot. And that's exactly what happened with Senator Kelly Leffler, who was appointed to the seat by Governor Brian Kemp last year, and Democrat Raphael Warnock advancing. That right race was called pretty much right after the um, polls closed on Tuesday night. But the outcome of the other race between incumbent Senator David Perdue and Democrat John Ossoff was a lot less certain. Um, polls there showed extremely tight margins all the way until Election Day. And at first, on election night, it looked like Purdue could win it outright. Um, his vote total was covering above about 50% for a while. But as more absentee votes were counted, that slowly started to shift until both Purdue and Ossoff were below the 50% threshold. Um, that's where it stands now. As of this recording, the race hasn't been called. But Ossoff has already gone in front of supporters in Atlanta this morning, telling them he's certainly going to push it to a runoff. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said this morning that there would be two runoffs in the state, and both candidates are sending out fundraising appeals. The last time a Democrat won a runoff in the state was 1998, but both parties admit the state has changed dramatically since then, and it's a totally different playing field even than in 2018, which was the last time there were runoffs there. And that's, that's partly because of demographic changes that have favored Democrats. Um, the state has, has changed a lot. The population has changed a lot in the last um, several years. It also has to do with the 2018 gubernatorial campaign of Stacey Abrams to electrified voters on the left, particularly Black voters. Um, she's a voting rights act activist, and she's been bringing a lot of attention to voter suppression efforts in the state. Finally, here are some musings about this election as we come to the end of this week, but certainly not the end of this story. Let's face it, whatever political persuasion you find yourself at, the last four years have been, to put it kindly, disruptive. Donald Trump has transformed the way we think about politics and the public sphere. In 2020, there's been an increased turnout and engagement of voters in this race. People know there's a lot at stake and they headed to the polls or they filled out their ballots and put them in the mail or dropped them off at ballot boxes. And not to be too romantic about it, but let's pause and consider that, for the moment at least, the system has worked, disruption and all. Yes, the president is saying things that no other president has said before, casting doubt on the democratic process. But when I think about this election, I'm going to think about the people who have volunteered to count ballots late into the night with little sleep and of the threat from people with guns outside where they're working. You could say they're doing their job, but many of them aren't even being paid. They just believe in voting, and they believe in the American system. And they're showing up and doing the hard work that makes democracy happen. I'm from Arizona, and I was heartened to see that the governor there, Republican Doug Ducey, had this to say about the vote counting, as many people counting votes face protesters outside and pressure from the White House. In Arizona, we count votes received up until Election Day. That's it. No judges have intervened and no last-minute changes have been enacted. We're following established Arizona election law to the letter. 
That's what the governor said, and he's a Republican. The system works. It is not pretty. It is not efficient, but it does work if people let it. That's going to do it for this edition of The Transition. I'm going to take a little bit of time off, but I have some excellent colleagues who will stand in for me, who you'll be hearing from a lot lately. Jim Saxa and Catherine Tully-McManus will be taking the mantle uh, and co-hosting political theater. I will be back next week. But in the meantime, follow along because we'll be here trying to figure out, like everybody else, what's going on. Thanks for listening. Thank you.